Standard Issue for all women. Hello and welcome to the Standard Issue podcast. Hannah here. This week's episode is a gig cast. It was from an event we held back in March at the Leicester Square Theatre. We had some terrific guests. We had Fern Britton, Wanmi Masaku, Sally Wainwright and Ruth Jones. And also the boss, Sarah Milliken. What a cracking lineup! Plus, if you're into that sort of thing, me. We talked about loads of stuff. We talked about the changing world for women on television. We talked about the Me Too movement. We talked about cats, bums and twats on trains. We had a lovely time. So tuck in. We've got loads of gigs coming up. If you listen to this and you're inspired and you want to come and see one of our live shows for yourself, then you can look on Sarah Milliken's website, which is www.sarahmilliken.co.uk forward slash standard issue. We'll get you to our page and you'll see all the lineups of the shows. We've currently got shows coming up in Sale, in London and in Harwich, but there are other things booked in the diary that we haven't announced yet, so keep your eye out and we've got some great guests coming up. Thanks to all of our guests for this show for coming, to the audience for making it so much fun, to everyone at Leicester Square Theatre and to our technical whiz, Maddie Hickish. Thanks very much for listening. Until next week. Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast. (laughs) Hannah, would you like to start? Okay, yeah, we introduce ourselves in time-honoured fashion with... Our names, who we are, and then a random fact about ourselves. So I'm Hannah Dunleavy. I'm one of the writers, presenters, producers of the Standard Issue podcast. And, yeah, I I have to do one of these every week. Oh, I currently can't open my windows. Any of them? Uh, No, any of them, because they're giving me a new roof on the building that I live in, and they've put the scaffolding planks exactly at the level of all of my windows. (laughs) And my cat's shit inside. It's not great in my house at the moment. <laughs> There's, like, no air in there at all. Not even the bathroom window, because presumably no, no. you also shit inside. No, it's very... It's, <laughs> it's a lot of condensation just wafting through my house and the smell of catch. Yeah, it's not great. Don't come round anyone until that scaffolding plank's been removed. Good fact. Thank you. <coughs> oh, hello. Uh, I'm Ruth Jones, and um, I act and write... I don't dance, um, and uh, it's great to be here tonight. Um, I'm really, really allergic to cats, uh, so I won't be coming to see I might have to move my chair away slightly, because I am generally 75% cat hair, as a rule. I'm also allergic to horses and aspirin. Oh. Uh, I'm uh, Wumi Masaku, I'm an actress as well. And I did an escape room this weekend <gasps> with my friends and we got out. Yeah. Very Aww. proud. Well done. Oh, yeah, my first one. I did one with a couple of friends and because we hadn't seen each other for ages, we just talked for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we didn't get out. <laughs> and we're still in there now. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Fern. Oh, hello. I'm uh, Fern Britton and I have done quite a lot of television and done a bit of writing. I have four children and some of them are good, some of them aren't. Tonight they're good, so I'm happy (laughs) because as a parent, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. That's true. And um, God, I feel sorry for my mom. (laughs) (laughs) And I have cats as well, so, you know, I have three cats and they're lovely. So there you go. 
Aww. Although they do like to, as soon as you lie down on the floor, they do like to reverse their crusty bum holes into your face. <laughs> 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 I'm definitely coming to stay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sally? Um, I'm Sally Wainwright. I'm a writer. and um, <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and a director. And... Um, what was the other bit? Sorry. A random fact. A random fact is I've got a really shit cold and my brain don't work. <laughs> <laughs> and a random fact um, that I always resort to when I'm asked to provide random facts. Uh, I used to drive double decker buses in London. Great. <gasps> so did that come from you know when you're a kid and you get and you sit upstairs mm. in the front seat because you really want to be able to see what the driver can see? Did you start that way and then think just I'm going to make it a reality? Oh, wouldn't it be lovely if that was what Yeah, it was just a dream. No, it was like, I was just desperate to make money. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was living in London and I hadn't a job and everybody said, oh, you like driving, why don't you learn to be a bus driver? So it seemed like a good idea. Driving the buses was actually fun, it was just the fucking passengers. <laughs> what, was, what was the worst experience with a passenger you ever had? The worst? Yeah. Um... I was driving a night bus through Southall. <laughs> oh. <laughs> At like one o'clock in the morning and this guy got on and he was like stoned off his head, drunk. And he sort of wobbled on. It took him about 10 minutes to wobble on. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not even going to ask him to pay because he obviously wasn't, you know, in the same zone as everybody else. So I... I thought, well, I can either ask him to get off or I can just wait for him to sit down, so I'll wait for him to sit down. And um, he, uh, you're supposed to, before you take off with your bus, you're supposed to wait for everybody to be seated because it's dangerous if you don't. So, <laughs> so I'm waiting for him to sit down and um, he decides he's going upstairs. <laughs> oh. So I have to wait another half hour for him to wobble upstairs. <laughs> and um, after about 10 minutes, I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to take off anyway. Take off. We didn't call, I called it that because I really wanted to be an airline pilot. Um, um, anyway, so I thought, right, I'm going. And I went. And he fell down the stairs backwards. <gasps> and he smacked his head on the stairwell in the, well, the bottom of the stairs. So I had to do a code red. So I'm pressing me. No, I wasn't. What do you, you press your button and you spoke to your wing mirror going, code red, code red. And they go, code red, go ahead. And you go. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm saying there's a man, he's just collapsed in me. Anyway, the, the police came and they put him in the back of a van. And I think a van? Was, I, a police van. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I was like a local delivery van. <laughs> <laughs> a Tesco van. Um, and he wasn't conscious, and I don't know what they did with him, but it was all very. Also, I like that you said he'd collapsed when he hadn't. No, he'd, no, it was he'd my had fault. an accident that you'd caused. <laughs> Well, yes. Well, maybe he'll listen to this podcast and yeah. recognise his story. <laughs> <laughs> if you've had an accident for which you're not responsible. Uh, me, me. Yeah. Uh, I'm Sarah Millican. Hi. Uh, I'm a comedian. And I... Um, yesterday was one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> um, because my dog finally wore a coat. And... <laughs> 
up and he looks so smart. <laughs> That's it. We've been trying for three years to get a court on this little bugger. Because he's, my husband says it's because he's a Geordie dog. Uh, he's not, he's from Korea. Um, <laughs> but when you put a court on him, he just sort of pauses. He just won't move or do anything or wheeze or anything like that. And yesterday we watched him, my husband and I, <laughs> while he weed and pooed in his court. <laughs> the dog, the dog. Um, that sounded bad. And, uh, and it was one of the, because he looks so cute. I'll show you a picture. I'll put a picture up later on. Uh, he's a little red coat and he looks adorable. So that, that's it. That's my random fact. What never fails to make you laugh? Let's start with Ruth. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what never fails to make me laugh? Well, I have to say my dad... Uh, never failed to make me laugh, but it was pretty unintentional. Um, he's no longer with us, my dad. I lost him last uh, summer, um, but he he had a great Welsh attitude. And um, <laughs> when he was in hospital a couple of years ago, he my friend Keris went to see him, and she bought him a banana from the cafe in the hospital. And um, she, Richard, I brought you a banana. Where do you get it from? <laughs> well, the cafe in the in the hospital. How much do you pay for it? <laughs> 65p? Take it away, I can get 10 for a pound in Lidl. <laughs> so, I will miss that, but my dad. <laughs> Let's go down the line, won't we? Um, I'm quite, I guess, quite juvenile, because my favourite thing is seeing people getting scared. I think my favourite word is boo. <laughs> like, I just love it. I watch YouTube videos and, like, a trump someone blows a trumpet i'm like on the floor i cannot stop laughing i have like flashbacks to a girl who got beeped at school once when she did this little <laughs> skip and it makes me so happy <laughs> the funniest moment i think of the seven years i was at school like i'm not even joking that's the, that's the thing that gets me every time <laughs> You're gonna, you actually, you, would, you should come to my house. My mum just jumps at absolutely everything. <laughs> Literally everything. You walk in a room and go, you're right, mum. And she's like, <laughs> Like, what the hell? It's like I just stepped into the room. And if you don't say anything, she says, don't creep up on me like that. So you're like really jumped if you do or damned if you don't. My, my ex-husband used to jump out at me and I didn't like it. And he would always just jump out uh, if I'd be walking to the bedroom, he'd be behind the door and he'd jump out and I would scream and he would, like you, find it hilarious and I nearly shut my pants. And then there was one time I was uh, milling around in the flat and I hadn't seen him for a few minutes and I thought, you bugger, he's hiding somewhere. So I just went into the kitchen and I did the dishes for like 40 minutes with the radio on really loud and eventually he came out, after 40 minutes he came out because he'd been hiding behind the bedroom door for 40 minutes. <laughs> I used to hide um, every morning uh, and scare my sister out of the shower every single morning. And the way her nose would flare up, <laughs> she used to crack me up all the time. She wouldn't make a sound. She'd just go... <gasps> <laughs> just, my favourite thing. <laughs> well, you see, I'm the age where I've become the woman who goes... Oh! <laughs> I am. And my daughter... I mean, I went into my daughter's bedroom the other day and I went, Grace... 
great. <laughs> Couldn't see her. And she went, yes, I'm here. And I suddenly, she was right in front of me. <laughs> and I couldn't see her. And they do it all the time. They go, don't jump up. Don't wake mother up. Because the minute you wake her up, she goes, shit a brick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that really makes me laugh is my brother, who was also a cat fiend. And um, he does impersonations of them being sick, which <laughs> just <laughs> makes me laugh every day. You know that one that yep. they, you're asleep and you hear, <laughs> <laughs> it's like an old man on a hundred and then he goes quiet and then he goes <laughs> so that makes me laugh <laughs> our dog used to be sick and uh you'd hear, hear that noise it's a bit like when your alarm clock goes off and it does the gentle you know the, the beep 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 Beep, 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 and you know it's coming, and you'd get woken up by the dog just going. <laughs> <laughs> and it would get louder. <laughs> and you knew it was coming, and sometimes we'd catch him just in time, pick him up, and manage to get him out to the garden just for him to go. <laughs> Splat. Well, you see, with cats, cats, with cats, that last that moment before they go, what they're actually saying is, get me to the carpet, yeah. <laughs> because they can't do it anywhere else. <laughs> I, I always feel like a real bastard when you throw them outside, though. It's like, can you imagine if that was you when you were really ill, and there you were, and someone just went, oh, get out, you disgusting me, into the front garden, you dirty cow. <laughs> Like, they want to do it in the warm, but they do want to do it on the carpet. Oh, always. Get me to the file carpet. carpet they can find. Yes. I'm on newspaper. Get me to the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> Our dog is uh, had went through a phase of being allergic to things. Now we know what he's allergic to. We're fine, but he would have terrible uh, diarrhea. And I would do the similar sort of thing of trying to get him out into the garden as quickly as possible. And one time I was out in the garden and he did... Uh, some diarrhea, and I thought I'll come back for that in a minute because you obviously want to scoop it up, don't you? Because mm-hmm. you're leaving the garden. So I thought I'd put a big leaf on it. I put a big leaf on it, and I'll come back. I'll take the dog and I'll get him settled on the sofa, and then I'll come back out. And I came when I came back out, which is about ten minutes. Later, I came back out and I forgot that it was autumn. <laughs> And there were big leaves everywhere. <laughs> and I just had to lift them all up looking for shit. <laughs> it's, not, it's the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> Sally, what always makes you laugh? I found, I, I found this really hard, this question, because I think, what, I think if I knew that, I'd be like a really rich man. What makes... What, Why never wouldn't you be a rich to, lady? Yeah. Okay. change your I think what makes you laugh is so unexpected. I think it's the unexpected mm. that makes you laugh, and mm. that's why comedy is priceless and funny and brilliant. I'm trying to think of things that never, never fail to make me laugh, and the only thing I could think of was my husband. Oh. Because he does... I think that's why I married him. He just makes me laugh. I think it's... Um, uh, the, the, the idea of catsick, that's not my idea of fun. <laughs> no, really? No, that's not, that's my not. idea of a really shit start to the morning. Uh, <laughs> no, well, no, I know it's your brother doing an impression. Oh, no, it's my brother doing the impersonation is yeah. very good, because yeah. the reality is grim. <laughs> and also, when your brother does an impersonation, there's nothing to clear up. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. probably why it's better. And for hours, my brother and I can go... <laughs> to my daughter's... Shame because her new boyfriend came in the other day and we were doing it. My brother. (laughs) (laughs) She's looking at the screen. (laughs) I'm with your sister. I'd be there going. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'd be doing that. Yeah. Sarah. Uh, Oh, uh, me. Um, 
I, oh, okay, something that we're doing, we tend to watch a program. Uh, we like, well, I said to my friend when my husband, before he was my husband, when he mo- first moved in, I said, we really like end, we really want to end our days together. And my friend thought it was like a suicide pact. <laughs> <laughs> and I meant like the bit before you go to bed where you have a cup of tea and watch a program together. Uh, it was a lot less dramatic than what she thought. Um, and we're currently watching Frasier and we watch like 20, whatever it is, 25 minutes at the end of every day before we go to bed. And it is just the perfect thing to go to bed on because it is so glorious. Mm. So I would say at the moment, the thing that never fails to make me laugh is Frasier. The second part of the question is, uh, what never fails to make you angry? Oh, uh, well, today I was ironing in front of um, a Sky Plus episode of Collateral, which I was getting cross with. But anyway, the, uh, the iron is one of those ones on the thing of water, you know, and you iron on top. Don't you have one of those? Like a reservoir. Yeah. Mm. The reservoir, that's correct. I think that's probably what it's called. So you plug it in, and it's the and while it's heating up, it suddenly goes. <laughs> and I said to my f- husband, "That really fucks me off." And he said, "Yes." So <laughs> it's that. Can I recommend not iron? That's what I do. Just don't iron ever, no. and then I don't get annoyed by the iron. Oh. No. Well, I try to do the uniform and all that, you know. But oh, of course, that really annoys me. <laughs> it go- oh, that hurt. Yeah. And it- <laughs> It goes on forever. Do you know what I mean? Have you got one of those? No. Yes? No, I don't have that? an iron. <laughs> no, well, that's sensible. I'll perhaps throw it out. I have an ironing board in case I ever buy an iron, you know. <laughs> don't buy one of those. <laughs> no. Mm. One me? Um, I have two things that really get me riled up. First is just peop- things that aren't fair. I don't know why. Just, like, everything being, like, in like 50 50 and like i come from a family of three girls and like we'd have a packet of kit kat and it'd be one two three and the fourth one would wait <laughs> or go to mom but you'd yeah. wait until the other weeks until we had an extra three more extras yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and like if my sister <laughs> would take one i'd be like why do you think that you deserve an extra kit kat <laughs> <laughs> like it just should be fair and the other thing is when people put really light luggage on the lower rack on the train. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that drives me crazy. I'm like, it's people's shopping and like mm. Selfridges handbags and stuff. I'm like, put it on top. Because if you've got a heavy suitcase that you can't pick up, I need that space. Move. That drives me crazy. Do you ever just move their bags? I do, but then I feel like a bit, you know, like... But you've practically stolen them. <laughs> so you might as well steal them. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I just get a bit like, why am I rearranging? And everyone's getting annoyed with me <gasps> behind me because they can't get to their seats. <laughs> just move your light bag on top so I can put my heavy bag underneath. <laughs> That's what smells me. Yeah. I think we might, might be able to start some sort of campaign there. Yeah. Yeah, stickers. <laughs> get it done. Ruth? Well, mine are kind of quite travel-based. Uh, well, actually, no, bullying. I just It really mm. does actually make me red with rage bullying especially in schools but that's probably not terribly comedic to talk about <laughs> um uh but uh, yeah c- travel based um i uh, when you're driving and um, <laughs> you uh if, if people don't let you in 
because I just think life is too short. Why do you, why, especially in Cardiff, for some reason. <laughs> in Cardiff, people, no, nope, I'm not letting you in. Nope, and they pretend that they haven't seen you. And you just think, why? <laughs> what, what? So that, that really does, that really gets me. But I always try and smile. One time I was really, really caught out. I was in this, there's this particular road uh, in Leckwith in Cardiff. And uh, it, it goes from two lanes into one. <laughs> and this guy uh, didn't, he, he, it was, I was trying to go ahead. I was trying to, to get in before him and I felt it was my turn, but he was trying to not let me in. So we had this sort of a bit of a, a, an argument, but I won, which was great. <laughs> and I did something which is really, really, I have to say, very uncharacteristic for me. When I went past him, I gave him the finger, right? <laughs> and I really enjoyed, I went, huh, like that. I, by the way, I'm just giving the finger now for those of you who can't see. And... And I did it to him, and I thought, Ruth, that's really out of character for you. But I thought, oh, never mind, I never have to see him again. But then I forgot that the road then goes back into two, <laughs> and there were traffic lights. So we were actually by the traffic lights together, and I had just given him the finger, and I felt such an idiot. I thought, right, don't look at him. And I could hear him shouting. He wound his window down, <coughs> and he was going, excuse me, excuse me. And he was going, um, he said, are you deaf as well as ignorant? And I just thought, just pretend to do something. I was really, really scared. So I thought he was going to get out of his car, come and hit me. And I just went, right, just act really cool. So I sort of pretended to yawn. <laughs> <laughs> looked at my radio. Looked at my eyebrows. Oh, they need a bit of plucking. You know, and, and I was literally shaking like this. And I just couldn't wait to get away. Well, thankfully, the lights went green and that was it. But it's that kind of road rage. I'm a bit of a kind of mixture where um, I don't tend to get really angry with people when I'm driving. But sometimes, we, and it, I have to say, it is male drivers. It is male drivers that, that you end up having arguments with. I know I'm making a gross generalisation there, but they, do, they are the ones who get really, really arsy. And I just think, just smile, just be nice. People should be nice on the road. And I should stop giving the finger. And I've never done it since. <laughs> it's weird, though, isn't it? It does bring out a peculiar anger yeah, driving. driving. Yeah, driving. And cycling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was telling us, Mick, if you listen, you'll know who Mick is. Um, a story about uh, earlier this week, I was at a double, uh, mini roundabout. There was a massive lorry next to me. I was in the lane to go that way. What way is that? Right. Right. <laughs> And um, the time came for us to go, but I just thought, we're not both going to fit on this roundabout at the same time because he's huge and he's a lorry, so I'm going to let him go. And the guy behind me peeped oh. and, like, waved at me like that. Pointless. So I sort of went like that, like, what? I'm no. not going to get crushed today, just so you can get there. And I turned and went into a petrol station and he followed me and he wound the window down and he shouted, you fucking whore, and drove <gasps> off. Oh and I was God. like, oh, did that just happen? You know, you're like, that's insane. Yeah. And you're like, that's never happened. A woman has never done that to me. So, God. yeah, when you say yeah. it's yeah. a certain type of driver, yeah. yes, it is a certain type yeah. of driver. When you, did, when you did that with your hand, yeah. was it the wanker sign? No, it was oh, like... Oh, was it, oh, cause it, I thought you were doing like a... Oh, it's because I got like a pen old lady and old, like Oh, OK. Like a... What do you want me to do? Yeah. Which he took as some sort of weird come on. And uh, follow me <laughs> to the petrol station. Yeah. That's so odd, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Weird. Yeah. Anyway, on that, that's what makes me angry. Anyway, <laughs> Sally. Sally? Um, it's, um, travel is obviously a theme. Because um, the thing that really pisses me off is just other people on trains. <laughs> <laughs> it's like anyone. 
<laughs> I need my own carriage. Um, do you go in the in the quiet carriage or not? Well, they're not though, are they? That's the problem. You, you see, sit in the quiet carriage, and there's all the fucking phones going. You know, big loud men, probably, <laughs> with one exception, which was quite amusing. Um, uh, just talking really loud, and it's business, and it's like I've got a phone and a business, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you all I wish to know that's about what it. They said. <laughs> that would be so great if that's how they started the conversation. <laughs> Hi, I've got a phone and a business. <laughs> but that's the subtext of what they're talking yeah, totally. about. They go on a loud voice but that they don't need to use. They could just be a bit quieter and show some. People also respect. get that they get really indignant, they don't they? If you've booked ahead mm. and you've and, and you, you've got a, a seat. Uh, a seat number reservation and all of that. Now I sometimes I just sit anywhere, uh, but sometimes somebody will get on and I and they they're looking at their little ticket and then they're looking at where you're sitting and then you can just see the indignant face appear <laughs> and they just go, <laughs> "Excuse me, I think you'll find that's my seat." And you just want to go, why can't you just be nice about it? And I'll go, oh, sorry, are you meant to be sitting here? But sometimes it's almost like that's their bit of property for that two-hour train journey. Excuse me, that's my seat. Just say, oh, I'm ever so sorry, but I think you're in my seat. We can all be friends. We can all have a nice chat together. So when you get up out of their seat... Would you, then go, <laughs> would you then go, I just farted on that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I might start doing. <laughs> I mean, if you still want it, then it's all yours. <laughs> I'd say, oh, my dog was just sick on that. Yeah. <laughs> I can do an impression if you like. <laughs> I, if we're doing travel, it's, um, I don't go in the quiet coach anymore because... I get more mad. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. If I'm in the quiet coach and people make a noise, I get furious. But if I'm in the normal coach and people get mad, I just go, oh, well, it's the normal coach. I have to accept it. And there was one time I was on a, a journey and there was, I was on the quiet coach and, and a woman was on her phone really loud. She had a phone and a business as well. <laughs> and fuck, she wanted everybody to know. And, um, and I went over and had a word with her because my stop was next and there was a man sitting who was as mad and as furious as I was. And I went over to the woman because I knew I was getting off. So it was quite scared, really. I was quite cowardly and I went over and I just had a word with her and then as I walked past I just went to the bloke you're welcome and he went thanks because he had like 80 more stops with his cow uh, so I, yeah I feel better then but I have to be like running off the train I can't like it's the same with the finger I would have to do that and then drive home immediately <laughs> I think that's brilliant I really admire people who do that I saw a woman once tell this lad to turn his thing down it's like everybody wanted to be that woman mm. who did that mm. My worst journey was this woman, actually, going up to, from, to London from Oxford. And it was a really packed train, and she was on her phone. She was obviously in publishing. And <laughs> she went through this long, 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 endless list of books. And then we went through a tunnel, and then she goes, sorry, how much of that did you catch? Oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, none of it. <laughs> and the whole carriage went, <laughs> Did you and also, to her credit, she went. I'll, 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 I'll speak to you later. Oh, because I thought you could have all joined in and started listing the books again. <laughs> so I'm going to start with Fern. Hi. Uh, what are the best and worst things about your work and life? Start with the best thing, please. Um, well, the best thing is that you are assumed not to be able to open a door, drive yourself to work, make yourself a cup of coffee, do your own face, do your own hair, get dressed. You know, everything is 
done for you. They open doors, you're not allowed to do anything, which is an irritating thing. Mm. Um, but so sort of in a way, that's the best. And sitting, you know, it was great. The, the times I've spent and long times in television, you open the front door and there's a lovely, you know, black Mercedes outside with a driver and you get in and there's all the papers and your script and your notes and you work all the way in and you work all the way out and that's great. The worst thing is probably, it's not very funny this, but it's just never being alone. Just never being mm. alone. So you're, you, you're in your dressing room with somebody. The minute you're on your own in the dressing room, you close the door and you take your clothes off. The minute you start bollock naked, knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, no, that's annoying. Um, and Do you then, really go down to nothing? Sometimes. I find that fascinating. But you put clean knickers on for the telly. Well, <laughs> I love that. That's a great fact. <laughs> it very much depends on who your stylist is, oh. and and they insist that you put on those sort of rubber. Oh yeah. and everything. So you've got to take everything off because then they have a little vent here, so you can have a wee in the middle of the show. Oh, it's just Do they? Do not they in have the a middle vent? of the show. Yeah, yeah. There's a little vent, so you can. Oh, <laughs> if you really need one, because otherwise you've got to get everything off to get. Oh, it's a nightmare, mm. and so that's boring. And um, I mean, I've, I've had a lovely time. Don't think I haven't. But these small things of being private and being able to just—you can't have a phone call in the car because your driver's mm. listening, which is. And then you get home, and then when the children were very small, they—they'd all be there going, "Mom, can you wipe my bum?" And <laughs> he just did this, and you just that actually. In the end, it's probably one of the reasons I stopped, <laughs> because it was just too much, too much. I never get a minute to myself. It's not funny, but um, that's the truth. No, no, it's yeah. a good answer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's great when you don't have to work and you don't have to wash your hair every day. You don't have to put makeup on. You don't have to shave your legs or do your moustache. It's so good. <laughs> just, just let it grow in. Say that again. Just letting your tash grow in. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Armpits, tash, oh. legs. It's just so... I like being on tour because mostly I don't have to brush the back of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've done it today because of you guys. Sitting there. You're welcome. You're welcome. But I mostly just brush the front. I don't have to... And then sometimes they say, Oh, it's a bit in the round. There's audience right behind, and I think, oh, I'm going to have to brush the back of my hair. <laughs> but mostly, I don't. Yeah, nice. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And then you reverse off stage, gone. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You have yeah. to back off stage. Wumi, <laughs> <laughs> what's the best, best and worst things about your work in life, my love? Um, I, I think the best bit is all of the people. It's funny because I just love meeting all the new cast and the crew and getting to know, trying trying to get to know people on like, you can, you can be really superficial and just talk about catering and you can just talk about the weather. But if you can try and get to know someone new and understand why they're there or how they got there or, and just their family life and you know, what, that, what makes them laugh and what they hate. Like that's a, that's a theme on our job right now. And um, I, I really love that. Um, I'm quite quiet at home, so I get, I get, I enjoy. I'm, I have a flatmate, and she's at work all day. So when I'm not working, it's just me. And then when I get on set, it's like, oh, hi everybody. Oh. I'm here. How long would you work? Does it vary project to project, presumably? But how long would you normally have with people before the show's ended and you're on to the next thing? So I don't think I've been on a job more than six months. Right. Yeah. And so I quite, yeah, I quite like it. But then I guess the thing about 
I think sometimes we're a bit um, fickle because we meet people, new people all the time and then you bond and like me and Hermione Norris right now, I'm like, Whoa. she's my best friend. I, I want to live with her. And we've only <laughs> known each other for three weeks. <laughs> but I, like, we, I feel like we're like sistering. Um, yeah, so I don't think I've ever done that and I've never returned back to a job. So I've never been on a series that's gone on and on. So I guess I never get bored of the people either. Mm. Um, I think the worst part of the job for me is, strangely enough, is wearing my a character's costume that I don't like. <laughs> like trying to feel like, oh, you know, that you you trying to feel like you think that you look good in this and you chose to wear this, and it's like not anything that you would even think about wearing ever. And then filming outdoors. Like this week's been snowing and we were filming outdoors all day and I'm just in my character's costume. I'm like, well, if, if this was Wummy, I would be wearing all my thermals and my bomber jacket and my, you know what I mean? But I've got and to wear- what are you wearing this week? Well, I was just wearing a shirt and jeans and it was like, fine, it was fine. I did have th thermals on, but it is like the person who was on the floor, which I'm like, you, they have to wear their costume and they're like lying in the snow. Mm. And that's the worst mm. bit. Filming, especially mm. uh, filming like summer in winter, that's the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. Like you wearing a I did it on Father and Son. I was wearing this skirt in Baltic Dublin and the winds, and it was so cold. I was wearing this tiny little skirt. And, can I wear leggings? Nothing? No, it's the summer in yeah. the script. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's that. I think that's the worst thing for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that sounds. Sounds freezing. Pretty, <laughs> <laughs> pretty cold. Ruth? Um, well, uh, as an actor, because I've sort of got two jobs. So as an actor, I think um, the, the worst thing and the best thing are sort of the same thing, which is that there's no, there's not a con sort of consistency. Mm -hmm. I suppose if you're in, maybe if you're in a, a soap, uh, that's sort of you're in it every week then there is maybe more routine to it mm. but if you're in a job like you were just saying now it, it, you 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 know you can be working on something for a month and then nothing so but that's also a good thing because then you get variety and it's uh, and it and it's different and you're always meeting new people you're always making new friends um so you never kind of get bored um as a writer best thing definitely is that you don't have to get dressed or washed <laughs> or um or go or you know go to be in the makeup chair at six in the morning having a wig put on um so that's great because you can just be really disgusting and <laughs> it's just you and the laptop and usually a mustache and, <laughs> um and that's I... and that's great fun um uh the the worst thing i suppose for me in terms of writing is that that then can become a bit solitary and then you start to <laughs> crave a bit of company maybe um and you start to live in the world that you're writing about and uh you need to kind of touch base with with the real world outside sometimes for me anyway mm -hmm. um but uh, but I, I i feel very lucky to do two things that i really really generally do enjoy so mm -hmm. Good to have one you can grow your tash in and one you can't. <laughs> it's a good balance, keeps that, isn't it? Yeah, Grounded. Just keeps like things it. right. Yeah. <laughs> Sally? Um, well, at the risk of re repeating what Wumi's just said, I, I just, the, the best part of the job for me is 
working with such brilliant people, you know, just working with really talented, stimulating people all the time. So, you know, they're raising your game all the time. Mm. So Mm. I just feel really privileged to be in the position I'm in where I can um, work with just super, super talented people and and it's a really stimulating, creative environment. And I'm lucky that I can get things commissioned. I can, you know, I can say I want to do this next. And normally people just go, yeah, okay then. Wow. So that's, ca- that. you know, it's, it's, I've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've put the hours in over the years, but um, that's the the plus mm. side. Um, the downside is um, when you're directing, just being away from home so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's again, what's, what's so stimulating is also what's, um, and exciting is also what's hard. It's like, when you're filming, you get up at six o'clock in the morning, you don't get back till eight. Then from eight till midnight, you're prepping the next day. Mm. Then you spend all night panicking <laughs> and then you get up again at six. Mm. And that's awful. And at the same time, it's brilliant. Mm. So, as, uh, yeah. And it's great being able to be across, which is what it will be for you, Sally, I presume, going from the very beginning sowing the little seed and seeing it right mm. through to the end and being in post-production and the editing. It is now I mean one of the things I used to really hate I mean you probably don't because you you act as well that's you probably don't I don't know if you've ever experienced this but I used to hate handing scripts over for two other people to direct oh, I just yeah. hated it because mm. it felt like you were like you put all this work in you did all the research you put the hours in you uh, create these characters you write this dialogue you spend hours and hours on your own going mad and then it's like, I think it's like preparing a party and then you hand it over and you're the person who isn't invited at the end of it. Oh. <laughs> it's, oh, I know. And the writer. <laughs> the writer's that's the last person to looks... get the accolade as well. The writer's the last person to get the... Uh, it'll be actors and directors first. Mm. It's not that so much... Uh, it does annoy me a bit that BAFTA is split up into two categories. Mm. So that... Um, I know last year it was like when we won. This sounds really pathetic. <laughs> it's like I'm complaining about winning BAFTAs. <laughs> <laughs> that bloody BAFTA. <laughs> but last year we won Best Drama and Best Actress. And on the BBC News, the next morning it says, Happy Valley has won two BAFTAs. BBC, who make Happy Valley. It had won three. I'd won Best Rice at the Craft Awards yeah. two weeks earlier. Yeah. Nobody fucking knows. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody you know now. Do you mention it in everything you do, just so people know now? <laughs> no, it's the first time I've mentioned it. <laughs> to anyone, but Do you enjoy, now that you direct, do you, when you started directing, though, did you enjoy that change, or did you, did you have a different type of nervousness? Like, you know, did you feel more in control because you were directing it, or did you start to wish other people were directing it then? Do you know what I mean? Did you, how, like, um, almost too much control. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no such thing. Fair enough. It's no such no. thing. It's no such thing as too much control. No, I still. I mean, what I'm doing at the moment, I'm, I've, I've written an eight part, and I'm going to direct the first and the last two. So I still uh-huh. have to hand some of it over to someone mm. else yeah. to keep yeah. a healthier perspective on my <laughs> ego, <laughs> <laughs> my megalomania. Yeah. Me or me? Uh, the. Uh, the worst thing is probably what you said about being away from home a lot, because I'm on tour at the minute and we're away from home a lot. Um, but sometimes I get... Oh, the best thing about being on tour is the performance. But every now and again, I get a little glimmer of just a golden moment, every now and again. And I had one the other day when I was in a hotel and it was one in the morning and it was freezing because it's been snowing. And I don't know if you've noticed. Um, you might spin on the news a little bit. Um, 
And I had a hot water bottle, a new hot water bottle, so I was very excited to try it out. Uh, <laughs> it didn't leak, I was really thrilled. And I had a hot water bottle, like, on me. You know, you're supposed to put them, like, sort of, it was on me, like I was cuddling it. And I watched an episode of Queer Eye on uh, Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it, it's awesome. And I had a cup of soup. And so I was warm <laughs> from the outside and warm from the inside. And I was watching an excellent programme and crying at the end, like I do every time I watch Queer Eye. And I thought, oh, I love touring. <laughs> and that's like... <laughs> Nothing to do with that staying in a hotel and having a fucking cup of soup. <laughs> Just that little moment, I thought, oh, this is why I do my job. I love this fucking job. <laughs> Since we have um, four women who um, work in the field of television, I would like to ask you if you think things are improving for women on television in recent years. Let's start with Sally. I think things are improving. But I think it's slow, and I don't think we can be complacent about it. Mm. I think the the letter that was signed last week by... Um, I can't remember how many women signed that. It was just indicative of how angry people feel. And um, I think where, however high up you get, you still feel that you are being... That there are men around who, who seem to get a better bite of the cherry than you do. Fern, Fern? do you think it's better for women now? I think it's slowly got better, and it's just different. I started in 1980, and the, I, I was hired because I could... I, I don't know, they liked whatever it was I had, um, but no-one was saying to me, dress this way, lose weight, grow your hair, don't grow your hair. I, it was because they'd employed me, not, um, you know, a picture of a woman. And um, so that was really good. And I didn't even know that that had happened. And, but when I look back, I see it. And then around 1985, 84, um, I was chosen to do a program in London. And I've said this before, but in case you don't know. So I was, I was uh, in, taken out to lunch with the rest of the team of the program. And um, the star of the show, a guy, he was sitting here. And we had done the lunch. And it was all very nice. Meet the team. Oh, and I was very very young, 23, 24, something like that. And um, this guy, so we got to the bit where pudding was finished and everyone was smoking, because we could do that mm -hmm. over lunch. And this guy sat like this and looked at me and he went, well, I wonder how long it'll be before I'm having an affair with you, because I do have a very big cock. <laughs> oh my and I God. went home and said to my mother, this guy just said this to me. And she went, oh dear. And that was that. Was bad. <laughs> that oh was dear. that. So, and then, and then you got into the 90s when suddenly it was all much more about physical appearance and stuff. But by then, um, 1993, I had my twin boys and I was working on a programme and someone wrote in and said, oh my God, woman, you're the size of a house. And I wrote, well, I'm having twins. Oh, And then I was the size of a house and they're all saying, are you a having a baby? No, I'm not having a baby. So, I mean, it's all, that all started getting to be crap. And then I got to the point where now I... I I'm 60 and I, I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Thank you. I've decided, in fact, I, I think I may have decided some time ago, but didn't know I'd thought it. I am not engaging with any of that rubbish anymore. I don't need to rail in a man's face. I don't need to do anything. I need to get on, be who I am and go, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I I went to the ERA fifty fifty um, event. Uh, on Wednesday, that's Equal Representation for Actresses, um, era 50-50. And um, they gave some really scary facts, actually. And I was just like, oh, it feels like there's always stuff that we're talking about it, but then and things will peak and then things will quickly drop like and we you know people will say things like oh we we spoke about women last year we've done that we've mm. done that <clears throat> and i i don't know i just feel like when i saw the stack stats on wednesday actually it just wasn't good enough yeah it just wasn't good enough and i i mean i should really bring the it is shocking i i didn't get to that event but i went to one about two years ago at salford in manchester and they had some statistic about how um the, the the ratio of women to men playing leads on British television is uh, two to one men in favour of men. So for yeah. every male lead, except for every two male leads, there's only one female lead. And there's never been a black woman who has ever played the lead in a mainstream British nine o'clock drama. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so I, do, I do think in regards to women of colour, I, I do feel like it's def, there are definitely, there's more opportunity, but it's very rare that I would be in a job with another black woman unless mm-hmm. I was telling a black story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even harder for, you know, Asian and Asian and South East Asian and mm-hmm. Middle Eastern. I mean, yeah, I think it's just, I, I think it's, I just don't think it's good enough. I mm-hmm. mean... I'm so grateful for the conversation and but you, that con- that that man at the table when am I going to have an affair with you I mean that was that's was happening last year we've had the whole thing come out now and it's like it's not it's not changed no, no. it's still it's still happening and um I I I I don't it's it 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 is changing though mm, you would not get that now Thank God. Mm. Sadly. No. no. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Sally meant you wouldn't get that now. <laughs> but... That was cheap, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you wouldn't get those attitudes so blatantly now, hopefully. But you, and I think not, not since September when everything kind of came yeah. out from yeah. the Weinstein company. Yeah, I but mean, it I wasn't for that. Slowly, it was still but the, happening. You know, those, the, the things have changed so rapidly. Yeah, but it was still happening until then. Like, it yeah. was still happening, Yeah, you know. I mean... Ha- but I do... Sorry, just to say, I think... in this, I don't know about other media like, uh, you know, um, newspapers, for instance. But I, still, I, think, I do think we're lucky in this country in terms of... Um, drama in that you look at American television and they are so far behind us in the way women are represented on screen I mm. think mm. you know we, ha- we have got variety in the way w- women are, women in, in our dramas can be colour co- um, colourful and characterful and have depth and be old mm-hmm. yeah. in America you look at most mainstream American dramas and all the women are stick thin and under 30 mm. and I think we you know, we are, we are making pr- progress. From the point of view, because I review television and I have for a long time, so from the point of view of the viewer, of, which I am, although maybe, maybe slightly more informed viewer because I've watched more of it, it did feel, I have to say, it did feel the turning point seemed to be with women in dramas in this country did happen when all of the Scandi dry, dramas arrived over here and everyone kept talking about what were they getting right. 
and I was <laughs> screaming from my column, it's because they're all female-led. And nobody's mentioning that. Suddenly, <coughs> women were allowed to lead a cop show after that yeah. because they all arrived over here. Really? But even in those shows, they were surrounded by men. They were, but it did suddenly feel like that there were... The opportunity did arrive, like Nicola Walker's fronting um, Forgotten. Um, and there are more women... I mean, you obviously play a huge role in that as well because you've written things with female leads. But from the point of view of reviewing, it does feel like there are more women leads. They are white women. You mm. are absolutely correct. They're not women of colour. But it, it, mm. from, from the point of view of a critic, it does seem... I don't think that it's by any means all the way there. But mm. it certainly feels better than it did But what's exciting is that when 15 years ago. these shows have been made, people want them. They really yeah. want them. Yeah. And so yeah. hopefully there will be more and more of them. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Ruth? Well, um, I think I've been lucky. I, I kind of sort of decided to make stuff happen for myself, really. So that's why, I, well, James Corden and I wrote Gavin and Stacey because we were sort of typecast in roles um, before that, which were, you know, we weren't the kind of the stick-thin um, young romantic lead. So we wrote what I think are probably better, the, the roles that we played were probably more fun than playing the romantic leads, actually. So it was about us taking control to make that happen. And then I did that with my series Stella as well. And uh, uh, I suppose I, I, I'm, I feel really privileged that I've been able to do that, to be able to create a series that I'm in um, and I can create really exciting characters and a lot of them are female they're not in my in in stellar anyway um some some really good strong women characters so i feel really really blessed in that part but i think i think maybe sometimes you do have to go right well i'm going to do something about this mm -hmm. now of course it's not it's easier said than done it's easy to go right i'm going to go out and write myself a television part and a television series but you know that's where where my journey has has taken me thankfully and I think you do your attitudes like you you were saying you just wouldn't put up with something I mean somebody said that a bloke said that are you just laughing yeah, in their face <laughs> well, I was are totally non real you know, you know but yeah but for a, for somebody who's just starting out in their career to mm. have to have that and to feel oh god is this how how am i supposed to react to something like that mm -hmm. i don't want to piss mm -hmm. them off but, but you know. it wasn't the first time that a man had made some sort of comment i mean that mm. you know it is true it's all me too because every single one of us have been in a situation somewhere where it's become uncomfortable and inappropriate and you think i've had it i know you think uh, it was my fault because i turned up for the meeting or agreed to have lunch or you know mm -hmm. it's and I think that, the, that's slowly disappearing the incredible thing about the me too uh thing was was that when I saw it I thought god this is awful for all these women this is so bad and nothing has ever happened to me like that and then as I was reading them I was thinking oh that one's happened oh yeah. that one's happened to me yeah, because yeah. you kind of have just put them to one side and gone well this is just what it's like to be a woman yeah. mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody was talking about it and everybody yeah. was sharing their stories and realizing that we were all in the same camp yes yeah. well we've been quietly groomed for centuries without knowing it Mm. Yeah, I think that's what's the biggest change is that people feel empowered to use their voices when they see injustice. Mm. And I feel like you can see it so clearly, even like we've seen it with Me Too and like the kids in America. They're really, people are really saying, I do not believe in this. I am not okay with this. The Women's March, Black Lives Matter. People yeah. are like, I feel like 
in, with my generation, maybe it was the biggest thing was the Iraq war, the biggest demonstration. And I don't, and then we had the, the students one, but it's, there's not been that many people speaking up for things that they just don't believe in. For me, in, in my generation, I feel like there's been two protests and now I feel like people are being public and they are not scared because someone will back you up. Yeah. yeah. And I think that needs to come into schools, doesn't it? More and more. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And talked about more in schools and, and kids given, you know, the chance to, to, to be able to say, no, this, this is not acceptable. And I mean, I'm going on about bullying again, but, you know, to be given the tools to be able to say, no, I'm not putting up with this. Mm. You know, whatever the situation that makes you feel uncomfortable. We, we, I interviewed Laura Bates this week. It'll be out on the podcast next week. Keep your eye out. <laughs> and she does it. She's doing exactly that. She's going into issue. Yeah, she's going into schools to say, "This is what consent is, boys. This is what consent is, girls. If you don't like it, speak up." Mm. Um, I, I mean, it's that uh, there's only one of her. <laughs> there needs to be a whole yeah. fleet of her if mm. that's if it's mm. going to have any great movement. But mm. but I think yeah. it. it can be expanded as yeah. well in terms of like for boys that are getting bullied by other boys yeah. or or by girls you yeah. know what i mean it's i think it's that empowering thing like mm. like you were saying there mm. i have the question what bit of your career are you most proud of oh yeah do that um let's start with let's start with ruth oh gosh oh thanks <laughs> um I'm just I'm just generally proud of where where things have got to for me at the moment. I feel I've been very lucky, very privileged. Um, I've just taken a new direction in my career, and I've just I've written a novel, and that's coming out next month. So um, this is all a very new world to me, and I suppose I feel really proud because I never thought that would be something that I would do. So I guess at the moment it's my novel that I'm proudest of. Great. Um, I think I'm most proud of um, the the um, Damalola, our loved boy, that we did uh, last. Um, it wasn't last year; it was 2016. And um, I just, I'm really proud of that. As a team, we worked so hard and we tried so hard. And our goal was always centered on Damalola. It wasn't like it wasn't about us it wasn't about our I really truly believe that and I know I'm an actor and my ego is meant to be this big but I really do believe that everyone on that set was like let's just tell this boy's story mm. so that his dream his prayer of changing people's lives will come true and he he has changed my life mm. if it wasn't for him I and his life I wouldn't it was absolutely terrific yeah. absolutely you have, a, you have a BAFTA for it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that, that that tragic moment all those years ago that I was watching and mm. um, reading about, watching about when I was, like, 14, 15, has changed my life. Like, mm. eight, 13... Oh, is that right? Uh, 18 years later, mm. it's changed my life. And I'm so grateful that we, you know, put egos aside and it was like, let's tell Damalola's story. Mm. Yeah, that's... I think that's from... Yeah. Great answer. Mm, good. Um, I don't know. I think it's very hard to feel 
proud of yourself, isn't it, in, in some terms? But since we're sitting here, um, I think I'm most proud. <laughs> I'm since most I actually asked the question, I yeah, think you're allowed to. Okay, be rude not to. But um, actually, um, life hasn't always been a breeze for any of us. And um, um, I grew up in a house where there was no father, but I had a fantastically strong mother. And if I was a feminist, I kind of became, I grew up with one, so that was great. I never had an epiphany. It was just, hey, this is women. And then my stepbrother once said to me, um, oh, you're so independent. So that's probably a good thing for me. Um, was he, was from, he trying to insult you? Was yes, like, totally. Oh, so oh, you're so independent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, so, you know, that was a good thing. Um, and then growing up and, and getting through a career that I never really signposted for myself, never did and I've had a lot of difficult things with you know I had a divorce and I remarried and I got fat and then I got thin and then I left a job and I've had trouble it was as parents do you have things that really worry you about your kids and so if anything I'm quite proud about getting through it <laughs> I think that's it <laughs> Sally? I, um, I, I suppose I'm proud of all the work I've done. Because um, uh, I, I suppose I work hard, so I, you, you put 100% in. And um, I'm, I, 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 I'm proud of the things that didn't do well as well, the things that got, like, really shit audiences and <laughs> the critics thought were rubbish. Yes. So, you know, I'm proud of them because I know I work just as hard on them as I did on everything <laughs> else. So, there. So they. Good answer. Sarah? Um, oh. Uh, standard issue, maybe? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, I just, I kind of, it's really selfish. It's really selfish. I just kind of wanted to create really nice working environments that I could just fill full of awesome women. <laughs> it's purely for me. I really miss work. I used to work with women a lot when I worked in civil service and when I worked in retail. And, and then I get onto stand up and you see a woman every now and again and you sort of clutch them when you see them like, oh, hello, how are you? You're one of us. Um, and it's so rare that I just decided to start making some work in environments where I could surround myself with awesome women. And standard issue was the the first one that I properly did, and I'm really proud of it. And I've got an excellent team uh, of, of Hannah and Jen and Mickey who do uh, amazing work. And if you don't listen to the podcast, uh, we do this, uh, we do these once a month, and then the other three weeks are like a magazine format. And, and please uh, have a go maybe on your way home if you haven't listened to us before. Um, I'm really proud of it. I listened to it, and I kind of wanted something that... It felt like there was a gap in the market, and rather than just moan about it, I thought, oh, maybe I'll give it a go, see if we can do it. And we did it with a magazine, and then we did it with a podcast. And I just think it's a bit like what Ruth was saying about creating your own work. Mm. You don't have to wait for somebody mm. to say, you'll fit that job. Mm. You can just try. And at least if you've tried and it doesn't work, you've given it a go. Um, tell me in, in two or three words, what's the best thing about getting older, do you think? That you absolutely don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> when did that kick in? Well, um, when I approached 30, I was devastated. I thought, oh my God, this is awful. As I was getting to the, towards the end of the 30s, it was worse. Reached 40, oh my God, this is amazing. 40 to 50, brilliant decade. And 50, joyous, bring it on. I'm two years in and I'm already looking forward to 60. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> well, me, I don't know, how, how old are you, love? I'm 31. Oh, just a bin. <laughs> but what, what do you think is the best thing about getting older? <clears throat> um, I, I'm trying... I've been around a lot of... Uh, sorry, three words. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, listening and learning from lots of wicked, cool, brilliant women and finding my voice in that and finding my place in that and thinking, oh, I'm going to be like you one day. Nice. Yeah. I like that. That's very good. Fern? <laughs> Um, being with contemporaries when we're all sitting in a noisy restaurant going, I can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> what? God, can't we just, what? That, I love, I mean, actually, look, I'm going to come clean. I wear hearing aids now. Yeah. And these are so cool that they are radio linked to my phone. So on the train coming in today, I could listen to the archers and nobody knew. Oh. Oh, nice. I didn't know you could do that. That's so good. That's so cool. <laughs> Sally? Well, it's the same. It's like having been somebody who was just shy as a child and as an adult, uh, a young adult, getting to the stage in your life where you just really don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and you really can say it like it is and you can say what you want and you can make a fool of yourself and you don't really care. Yeah. And it's just delightful, isn't it? Do you remember, like, when I was younger, I would be devastated at the thought of... Like coming out of a, 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 a loo in a pub with me skirt tucked in me knickers. Yeah. And now I actively put it in. Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly. I've got massive knickers, there's loads of room. Um, should we do a quick, if you have anything to plug, yeah. let's do a quick uh, plug. Ruth, you've got a book coming out. When does it come out, my love? Uh, April the 4th. It's called Never Greener. Oh. Nice. Thanks. Um, I'm doing Luther at the moment, but I have no idea when... <laughs> I don't know when it's coming out. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really Yay. excited. <laughs> I'm actually really reassured by that statement because I've been phoning the BBC to ask them when it was coming out. Oh. And, the, <laughs> and if you can't get the answers, I'm just going to stop ringing. I'm the last person I'll know. Fern? Um, I've got a, a new book that came out last week and it's hit number five in the Sunday Times for Sellers oh, list. nice. And it's called Coming Home. And then, in the summer, I'm going out on a tour of Calendar Girls the Musical. <laughs> yes. Sally? Um, I haven't got anything going on, really. Uh. Um, <laughs> don't um, say that. Don't ruin it for us. <laughs> I'm just about to start directing Gentleman Jack. It's an eight-part drama for BBC One with wow. Saran Jones. Nice. But that's not going to be on telly till this time next year. Is there going to be any more Happy Valley? Yes. <gasps> Woo! I hope so. Yes. When? No, there will be. Sorry, yes, I'm saying I hope so. Um, that's the, oh, uh, when I've finished doing Gentleman Jack and... Hurry up, then! <laughs> <laughs> and a few other bits. But, yeah, there is, will be. Yeah, is yeah, Gentleman yeah. Jack what Saran told us she was learning yeah, French? Yeah, for? yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't actually tell you why she was learning French, did she? I, I remember hearing it, and you asked yeah. her why. And she, she said everything, and then she didn't say why she was learning. Yeah. And it was because Anne was a lingu uh, very... Uh, she, she could speak many languages, so she's oh. having to speak fluent French to play Anne. Wow. Wonderful. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I am currently on tour, uh, and thanks. Uh, that's <laughs> it's going to be busy then if two people are coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm in London in May, I think, and if you live somewhere else, then I am probably coming there as well. Uh, so <laughs> please come. And we should plug the podcast, I guess. Yeah, you can find us on... Um, Acast or iTunes. Um, we come out on a Wednesday morning. Uh, one in one in three 
one in four will be a gig cast. Um, and the other three are like a magazine where we talk to interesting women doing interesting things. Um, good. Myself, Mickey and Jen, who are here somewhere, and Sarah. Um, yeah, listen to it. Sorry, that didn't sound very enthusiastic, did it? <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Listen to it. Woo! <laughs> you guys have been so lovely. I'm so glad you came. Um, thank you very much for coming. You've been a smashing audience. Please join me in thanking our excellent guests. Ruth Jones, Mila Standard issue for all women.